The Rack and Tour Collection presents Chapters, a book report podcast. My name is Charlie Moan, and I will be your host of this evening's episode of Brilliance. I am joined by my brother Jack of the Rack and Tour Collection, who is resisting the urge to laugh at me right now. Just he's holding it back. It's it's actually quite admirable. Quite admirable. Jack, I don't know if you've ever written a book report. No, don't answer me. Don't answer me. I can tell you're just about to. <laughs> I can see it on your face. I remember, and the reason I wanted to kind of have the stage here for a second is you hear chapters of book report podcast and you go, okay, cool. I, I mean, what do you think of a book book report? You, I think of specifically fourth grade. I do not remember the teacher's name, but it was a, it was a guy like a, I don't know, mid forties guy kind of lean this is a linear elementary school black hair i, I not, know his name i'm not gonna say it no please tell me is, is that okay yeah mr meacham mr meacham great thank you because I, I was like it's not mr holmes i know it's not him mr meacham yeah, he was fifth grade so in mr meacham's class we had to do a book report and i was early enough in my school career to where i really tried because i remember i got a goosebumps book i read through it i remember i had my wide rule paper my number two pencil and i scrawled out you know in my fourth grade handwriting a page and a half book report on goosebumps and i felt like i felt so proud of myself because i was like this has to get an a like no way it doesn't and i remember i handed it in it comes back and what do i get on the paper i get a c and i remember at that moment kind of looking around and being like you know why why try why <laughs> that young <laughs> like i read a goosebumps book and the grade mattered so much to me that kind of destroyed the any idea book reports so i say all this to say that book reports don't have to be that way and when i came up for the idea of this podcast this this little mini series if you will i wanted to kind of Relook at that idea. Relook at the idea of what a book report could be. Let's remove the idea of grades. Let's remove the idea of, yes, it will still have the only same thing will be the deadline of you have to read it by so point. But, but let's like take a step back. Like, let's actually enjoy looking at a book and talking about it. Not in so much of like, hey, what did you think the uh, exact verbiage was meant in this case? You know, not let's define this word, but let's talk about it from more of a, an actual enjoyment of reading, an actual what did you get from it, an actual what did you see in it. And me, Charlie, having my history, I went to school for English. Now I'm not going to say I'm a master. By no extent am I a master. I'm going to get things wrong. But I have a little bit more of an insight than my guest today, Jack, from the Rack and Tour Collection, who you might know him of. I hope permanent guest, but we'll see. <laughs> Kick me out halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> but jack very long-winded intro just yeah, just course. past five minutes you kn- you knew it would happen with me how could it happen any other way and this is going to get more views in my and episode. what i wanted to say though i wanted to give you this whole thing right i wanted yeah. you to hear this all for the first time and i wanted to get what what do you think i mean do you think does that idea of kind of reanalyzing the book report you know because what what do you think of what you think of what do you what do you think of book report so I don't remember any specific book reports other than sixth grade. I forget my teacher, but I was doing a book report, but it wasn't, it was like a, 
a presentation of was it the secret garden okay i think and i had to make a whole like um poster board kind of representing different elements of the book right and that's the most distinct like book report ish thing i remember doing i remember having some fun with that and i got a pretty decent grade on it because that mom helped a lot and i actually tried um but other than that you know book reports are not anywhere near my wheelhouse neither is reading really i've kind of yeah foregone reading for a while just because you know it's one of those things where i feel like often i don't have the time for it at least Mm. that's what i tell myself which is not true but you know as humans we kind of find ways to take up time distract ourselves make us think that we have less time than we actually do but when you suggested this idea it kind of piqued my interest a little bit and i was like maybe this is a good way not only to flex my brain a little bit not only to flex my, you know, just understanding of writing, vocabulary, all that kind of stuff. Because there are actually a few words that I was like, oh, is that? I haven't seen that word before. Or at least I don't remember hearing it in the audiobooks. And also it has given me a chance to kind of bond with Ellie a little bit. And I've, I've been reading two chapters of her every night. Um, and I think she likes it for the most part. Uh, she's, you know, she just turned five. So still a little young. But I think these are moments she's going to remember because i plan on doing the whole series so jack that's a great great response and you actually answered my first question is you know before we got into this what was your kind of view on reading in general you know i think often when people think about like analyzing books movies video games whatever it is there's this air of you know, you follow the people who sound smart, right? You see the YouTube video with lots of views. People kind of agree with that one opinion. Yeah, it's like an you hour see, and a half long. You breakdown. see the the score on IGN. You see the number, whatever it is. And that kind of shapes your opinion of something permanently. And it is in no way wrong or bad to consume that type of content to be like, oh, I'm really interested in like the discussion. But I also think it's important to learn and develop the tools yourself to actually be like hey what is good and what is bad you know to what be able is to actually analyze it through your yeah. own thoughts not just kind of regurgitate right. points that you've right. picked up on and look at it and be like well why do i think this is bad because often that's the more important question right i think about that all the time right i think about you know these movies that come out and they get like fours or fives mm-hmm. and you see it and you're like who would ever see that movie and yep. i think back to the day i'm like what if you just saw this movie in the newspaper and you went to go see it and you had no 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 inkling no inkling of what a good movie was but you really enjoyed it but then later in life you come to realize oh man that movie's awful you know what i mean but it's like you still enjoyed it and that's still important and so that's that's kind of the feeling i want to break down is you know why do we actually enjoy something why do we dislike something and man what a better book to start with than c.s lewis the lion the witch and the wardrobe. The lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. That's actually the worst you know, I've done in a while. I suggested this book because I knew, A, it was easy. That was a big early modifier. But then, B, I also have been thinking about rereading them myself because it's been a long time. Like, I don't think I've read these as an adult. I've mm-hmm. definitely read them a lot. And, my God, I when I started this, Jack, I could not remove my past from this. And so I think... Len- up Sorry. front, and that's what we're going to talk about. This, we're going to talk about all the memories. Because, you know, the first thing that popped into my head when they finished reading the note, and it's like, Mogram, the secret police. You know what I see? I see the stupid wolf. <laughs> <laughs> the really bad, like, 90s movie. 
That's what I see. <laughs> In order of the White Queen. Ah! Yeah, so that's what I see when I, uh, you know... Well, I'll tell you what I see. So, there's... What influenced me in a lot of how I... It's almost the same with Lord of the Rings. How... And this is... This goes for any medium that you consume when you're young. I, I say young between the ages of, like, you know, 6 and, like, 16. That 10-year time is, like, when you develop these ideas of how something is and it stays that way so for instance the harry potter audiobooks i always had in my mind that's what the characters are like if i read it or i saw it those are the characters for me they sound like that jim dale. yeah jim dale doing the voices fan- fantastic by the way or like even for the audiobooks for, for narnia i actually listened to the one that we listened to the dramatization and i was like man i'm reading it out loud to ellie and in my head i hear once there were four boys whose names were Peter, Susan, you know, and like, but then their voices talking in the background is like, you know, the dialogue continues. And I love the way that's done in the dramatization. And while I'm reading this book, I can't help but think those like exact moments, you know what I mean? How it sounds. Yeah. I hear them so clearly in my head. And it's just, it's been really fun to kind of go back through yeah. and re-experiencing it as an adult. And so far, I mean, I don't want to get into if you have any more questions prior to this, but like so far, it's been like a really like fun read for me, um, experiencing yeah. it in kind of a new way, reading it how our daddies read books basically yeah. to us. And I, you know, this book is definitely meant to be read out loud. Oh, for the sure. The way C.S. Lewis kind of like himself like interjects and cuts in and is like, oh, hey, do you remember what Peter said in the last chapter? And you're like, I, I want I, I love it. Can I bring up let's, something? Let's pause real okay, quick okay. before we dive too deep. Okay. Before we dive too oh, deep. Okay. Because I think you bring up a lot of. Very good points. And that... <clears throat> also, I'm su- sitting on some Spetcher's Firebrewed Root Beer, by the way. This is oh. for you, Michael. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the things that would be nice about having a large audience is to create a root beer war <laughs> in the comments where people enjoy the slurp and people hate the slurp. Because you know it happened. Well, yeah, so on Discord, I, I think we're limited to two slurps an episode. Even though my slurps, I think, are not bad compared to what I have heard on podcasts. But mm. we're not here to argue. Let's just continue with the chapters segment. Yeah, but one thing I wanted to kind of touch on before we got into it is... Yeah, Jack and I do have a lot of history and nostalgia with um, really the entire Chronicles of Narnia. I mean, from an early age, our parents read them to us. We've seen almost every adaptation, every audio version. I mean, we've really seen and it's been very integrated into our childhood. And so we're coming at The Lion, the Witch, and Wardrobe from a very positive point of view. I mean, when I read this book, it's nothing but charming to me. I mean, even the way it starts, I love, it's very refreshing how simple everything is. Cause I'm so used to like, I've been on my Lord of the Rings kick. I've been on (laughs) these deep, my own book is this like wordy, dense science fiction thing. And I'm like, ah, it's nice just to like have things happen and nobody really like questions anything. They're kind of just like, whoa, cool. It's another world. (laughs) No. Yeah. And so that's something I want to bring up. And it's like, you know, obviously you guys know I'm not stupid, at least in most regards, but it is nice kind of going into a book that I do have some history w- with rather than yes. trying to like dive into something that I have no idea about. Right. It's a whole new world. No and idea what it's picture. Really dense. Like Lord of the Rings, if you don't know Lord of the Rings, it's pretty intimidating to get into. Mm-hmm. I think I could get into it now, but I'm glad we did something that's just easier that I can kind of, right. you know, take it and 
a nice leisurely pace and not yeah. have to be like, okay, I need like a page of notes for a page yes. that I read. You know what I mean? And I then can kind of summarize a lot exactly. better with this and flex that muscle a bit more. And that's a, a big reason why I didn't want to require you to take any notes or to feel like you had to get a certain distance because I the one thing I remember from school is that pressure to read and to do kind of the BS time filler assignments that go along with reading really did ruin it for me. I mean, I skipped lots of books that I probably would enjoy reading now that I just didn't because it was like, it didn't feel like there was a point. You know what I mean? And so the last thing I wanted to do with this is to be like, hey, Jack, make sure you finish the entire book by next week. Go. Or, hey, Jack, <laughs> let me throw you into Dune right away. It's like, no, because like that's not... Like reading. What about Curious George? Right. I mean, reading is not limited to just these epic, dense, intellectual, heady intellect. No, like, because I was even thinking, like, man, it'd be kind of cool to just go on like a young adult novel kick, like reread The Hunger Games, like reread uh, Gregor the Overlander. I mean, I was thinking about that one because like you brought that up and I was like, that'd be a great one. Like, I haven't read those and I don't know if I ever actually read them or if I was just around them a lot. I remember them being very fun. I think mom and I got into them a right. good bit. They were fun. And then building up, because that's always, you always want to, you know, I think going straight to Dune or Lord of the Rings is like going straight to like, all right, now make sure you run that six and a half minute mile. It's like, no, you kind of have to like, you have to build up to that first. For sure. And so getting straight into it, Jack. Yes. You, so primarily have you read it aloud to Ellie? Yes. Two chapters a night? Pretty much. What has it been like? to actually sit down and read again. Like, what are the, if you had any challenges, if you felt like it was boring, you can be as blunt as you want, like you won't. No, so honestly, it's been a very calming experience. Like, I make a, a point to not, like, check my phone or anything, mm. or I'm not saying, like, a flashlight or something to read, because yeah. we kind of keep the light off in her room when I'm reading to her. Um, But, you know, like, these past two nights, she's fallen asleep to me, like, reading to her. So it's been, like, very kind of, like, a sweet little thing. Um. But no, like so far, I mean, I find myself kind of being like, okay, is the next chapter going to start? But not in a right. way I'm like, oh, right. like, hurry up. I'm just like, oh, like, is it just kind of in my right. mind? Right. Because at the end of the chapter, I'm like, ooh, Ellie, like, what do you think? Like, who do you think the queen right. is? And like, also in the chapter, is there any relief that you have to, you're like, okay, I got to stop reading? So far, no. No? Okay. So far, no. I There are times where I'm like, oh, maybe I could do another chapter. But, yeah. you know, I she's like about to fall asleep or whatever. And I'm like, right. you know what? We're not going to push yeah. it. Yeah. So, um, but so far it's been a, it's been a good experience and I've, I've really enjoyed doing it so far. Yeah. So for me, I, I literally just started this yesterday and I mean, I read most of it and then I kind of just did like, I skimmed back up to that part. I did also buy the, with one of my audible credits, I bought the audible version because I wanted to see what it was like. I really enjoy it as well. I mean, it's just as good. Um, in the audible version, because I was like, I was reading it and I was like, man, this one would be good to be like read aloud. And I truly do think I really get that impression while you read this book. I mean, right in the beginning, C.S. Lewis really does set it. It's like, hey, it's a fairy tale for like a young child. Yeah. Can I I actually yeah. do want to read that little intro he oh, wrote for his. Um, uh, for who? For for um, I don't know. Her name is Lucy, but he's like her godfather. Mm hmm. So I, I really like this little forward in the book. I thought it was like really sweet. So it's, my dear Lucy, I wrote this story for you, but when I began it, sorry, but when I, when I began it, I had not realized that girls grow quicker than books. As a result, you are already too old for fairy tales, and by the time it is printed and bound, you'll be older still. 
but someday you'll be old enough to start reading fairy tales again. You can take it down from some upper shelf, dust it, and tell me what you think of it. I shall probably be too old to hear and too old to understand what words you say, but I should still be your affectionate godfather. And I was like, that's like so sweet. Yeah. And it's it kind of in a weird way like resonates, you know, yeah. just knowing these books from a child, yeah. like my childhood and now reading them again. Mm-hmm. Not not that like it's been like a, a monumentous amount no. of time that's passed, but like that kind of hits home a little bit yeah. because there are sections of your, of your life where you don't want to read this kind of stuff or no, you don't no. think it's like important or like, you know, it's not, you know, it doesn't just have as much weight to it. Yeah. And so like when you do rediscover it, it's like a whole lot of fun. Yeah. So it's just, uh, I think the best way to describe it is kind of like a simple joy. Like it literally just is, it just kind of makes me smile, you know, and it's nice to, it's nice to hear uh, this fairy tale that's not, that's a little bit more complex than I think like a classic fairy tale, but it never like loses you. There's like this sense of, I don't know, like a not adventure and not quite whimsy. It's maybe something in between those two words. Well, it, it's kind of nice having a book like this after just consuming all this media that you have like six or seven different storylines going on that you have to keep track of. And you're like, oh my gosh. And so now you have like so far two branching stories, but like both yeah. of them. Pretty simple, very straightforward. Yeah. You know, there's not like a ton of moving parts in each, but like it's so refreshing in a way. Yeah. To not have to be like, okay, and he's doing that because of this, and then she's doing that because of this, and then okay, then he's he might be doing this. It's like, no. He's doing this because of this reason. Yeah. They're doing this because of this reason. That's that helps. that's how it's going. And it's like yeah. super nice to kind of come back to that after mm. not having that for so long, it feels like. And I think a lot of that is built within how the story is actually told. I mean, it's almost like C.S. Lewis is there reading it to you. It is so... I, I You know, the interjections, the the callbacks. I 100% agree that this story is meant to be read aloud. Yeah. It, like, there's, there's something about, like, I'm sorry not to repeat, but just the way that it's written, that that's, that's how it is. You yeah. know, it's, it's very strange, but, and, like, in a good way. Yeah, and it's, I think, to that point... I, that's why the simplicity of it works so well, because it really does feel like somebody is there telling you the story so much so that I love even like the constant almost reminders in the beginning where it's like, and Lucy was a clever child, so she did not close the door and lock herself into the wardrobe. I have something about, okay, yeah. let's talk about this whole wardrobe bit. Yeah. Because everyone knows not to close yourself in a wardrobe. So, look, yeah. uh, look, I'm I sure. get it. Yeah, common sense to not like lock, close yourself into anywhere, but like, why is it stated that, like a wardrobe specifically? Like everyone knows not to shut yourself in a wardrobe, and Edmund re- remembers, but he does it anyway. Peter remembers, like Lucy. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, everybody. They I'm keep like, bringing it up. Yeah, I'm like, like wh- why? It's such a weird little thing to keep yeah. bringing up. I feel like not- you know, and it could be, and that's actually where I think the the other half of reading comes in is like. Where did that come from? And I really probably would be just simple Google search to say, like, was that a customary thing? Or is that more just a C.S. Lewis thing where he's kind of like, because you see that a little bit in the um, professor. When they go and talk to them, they're like, hey, by the way, Lucy is a C in this world. Uh, Is she mad? And the guy's like, no, I mean, I love the way the professor interacts with them. And he's like, one that only teaches you logic at these schools. And so it. 
It's very so that <laughs> so with that being known and like having like this kind of the professor talks very to them very directly. It's almost like C.S. Lewis himself is like, hey, don't close yourself in a wardrobe. Like I know little kids are gonna read this and want to lock themselves in a wardrobe. So by the way. Clever children don't lock themselves in yeah, a wardrobe. Yeah, so it could be like a, a real-world reminder. It's almost a like a warning, because it's almost like he knows that... Kids are going to love this yeah, book. Yeah, and you would immediately, <laughs> as a little kid, you want to go into a wardrobe, you're like, oh, what is in the closet? What could be? I don't mean... Balls? So I almost wonder if it's that, you know what I mean, where it's, that's mm-hmm. his like kind of father figure coming forward and being like... And so let's... I mean, I just want to say, like, the, yeah. the characters, the yeah. titular characters, Peter, Susan, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy... I love these characters. I love how they interact like actual siblings. I think they're written very well. I like how Peter has nicknames like Susan is Sue, Lucy is Lou, Edmund is Ed. And you're like, yeah, yeah like obviously those are like little nicknames. But like only Peter calls them that. Yeah. As, at least as far as maybe I can't I think remember, Edmund but. does say Lou when he's in the, he gets into the wardrobe for the first time. He's like, Lou, Lucy. Off the track. I can't place a page there. But yeah, so. No, the, the Pevensies are great. They're really good. And it, it's, uh, I think it really credit to it. And that's where it's hard. I was kind of wondering this because I was trying to remove myself from all of my knowledge I have about this story. But I can't really. And so I don't know how they would read if you had never read the story does, before. Evan to say Lou. You know what I mean? I don't know how the characters would come across if I never knew about them before. Mm-hmm. But in that way, I mean, it's it's written so simply that you kind of know exactly. Like, Peter's oldest. Edmund's just a little shit. I mean, by God, that that child. Like, And I love how he just talks about how oh, he did a horrible thing. Like, <laughs> I love the names that they call each other. Like, calling each other a beast beastly. is so good. You're beastly. <laughs> Peter's like describing Edmund to, you know, Mr. Beaver. And he's like, oh, he's just being like, he's like quite a little beast. And you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, Yeah, it fits. Yeah. And in your mind, did you give Mr. Beaver a voice when you were voicing him? Oh, I gave him like a dad voice. Give him like a dad voice? What what was the voice you gave him? Uh, If you had to think about it in your head. Let me see if I can find a line here. It'll be easier for me to, it'll be easier for me to do the voice if I find a line. I'm going to find one as well because I I have a voice. I have a voice when I was doing Oh, that's another good point. I'll, I guess I'll ask you about all your voices because I'm sure you're doing them too. There, my I was like, this is gonna be good to flex my voice acting muscles because yeah, I haven't done that in a long time. Okay, so this is this is here's my line. <clears throat> Here we are, Miss Beaver. I found them. Here are the sons and daughters of Adam and Eve, and they all went in. That's oh, great. Yeah, that that's the voice I have for him. That's great. So. That's fantastic. Hire me. I'm available. Hire me. Hire me. But yeah, so you have the four kids. You have Mrs. McCready, who doesn't really come up that much. I like how the moment that they all get into the wardrobe, they hear like Mrs. McCready like coming from all the angles, from all of the hallways. And I, like it's the like his little self- thing. It was like maybe it was like magically maybe drawing was, the Narnia. Yeah, I, yeah, I, love I love that, that yeah. little. Like he gives you a little hint of like, hey, maybe something was happening. Mm-hmm. And of course, they all get into Narnia, but. You know, of course, the most iconic thing was when Lucy first gets in there and meets Mr. Tumnus. But Mr. Tumnus is just great. I mean, the description of Mr. Tumnus's little house and his little scarf and his description is so it's so like simple to the point, And you like exa- know exactly what he's talking about. And the illustrations, of course, I 
I cannot. I mean, I love the I illustrations. Like are so good. I do want to say the the way that C.S. Lewis describes the characters, I mean, so far in this book, are very, it's very childlike, in my opinion. Mm. He gives very direct, like, to the point yes. descriptions of characters. Yeah, like, there's not a lot of, like... Uh, poetic license taken with descriptions it's more it's a very direct thing he compares things he's like oh like a cold winter's day like we have here like, like he'll compare things a lot yeah exactly and it is kind of interesting again like now that you have kind of like said that it puts me in the headspace of it almost is like a play out like a play happening and the way that characters and places are described as like a narrator that you couldn't see but overhead describing yeah, yeah. things as like people are doing this stuff you yeah, know what i mean very much so and i i do say so i do say <laughs> How do I, say? I do say i do say um this is from like the newer i don't know how like new they are the new narnia movies well yeah the new i think the most recent yeah the attempts. most recent i like the way mr tumnus is done in the most recent one and how they meet um but Lucy being like actually like seven, eight years old in that movie or however old after like they see each other and they both scream. You can see Lucy behind the lamppost like smiling. But Mr. Thomas is like, you know, like, yeah, still like stuttering and stammering. And I was like, that's great. That's exactly how I pictured him. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. You know. One thing that I think. And I like that you picked it up, too, because it is the point of view of the actual like storyteller is always important. And especially as we go forward, I think most of the Narnia books are kind of in this style, but especially as we move on to different books, that is something to pay attention to is like how they're telling the story like that, because that often can help you connect dots that you might miss Mm -hmm. if you know what angle the story is being told from. So from this point of view, exactly like you said, it's like the big man's in the sky and he's literally like, and then Peter did this, and then Peter and thought so, this, the and full, so Edmund felt yeah. this, and you're like, okay, cool, great. Mm-hmm. It doesn't lead you like any particular way, but like in the book I'm writing, it's all from one character's point of view. So everything in there is shaped through the way he thinks and the way he feels, and so you can have very different type, you know, varied types of story. You mentioned earlier the story branches into two parts. Um, man can we talk about for a second edmund he he's kind of i like how c.s lewis <clears throat> does in his part where edmund leaves the beaver's house right mm-hmm. and c.s lewis kind of goes on this little thing he's like edmund's not like a bad person he just is kind of misguided right now yeah but like from the beginning edmund is you just don't like him like he's just he bullies lucy he lies you know, about them first being in Narnia. I think it's so funny how Mr. Beaver is like, who do you trust? No, the professor is like, who yeah. do you trust more? Yeah, literally Edmund asks them. Or Lucy. And they were both like, I oh, don't Lucy. Who's least trustworthy? Edmund. Edmund. <laughs> and he's like, well, there's your answer. So why would someone who tells the truth suddenly be lying about this? Yeah. You know? And so... And Mr. Yeah. And even Mr. Beaver then is like, oh, yeah, he looked weird. He looked... I, I had a, I saw something in his eyes. It was a treacherous look about him. Yeah, exactly. And so, but part of me has a little bit of um, sympathy for Edmund just because he is kind of in that weird age, you know, mm-hmm. and he's he's a boy. They're going to kind of be jerks at that age. And then, he, you know, he meets the queen, has this yeah. 
you know, this... Um, I do want to go back to the queen scene because I really like that scene. Oh, yeah. He has this, you know, view of her that's nothing but positive, essentially. Yes. And then he's he eats the Turkish delight and then mm-hmm. from there is put under, like, a magic spell, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so from that point on, you can, you can kind of see, like, it turns from just, you know, kids messing with one another to him being kind of just a jerk. Yeah. You know, up until... You know, he leaves the hut and it says in the, in the description, he's like, he he thought they were giving him the cold shoulder, but yes, actually they, they weren't. weren't. You know, like he yeah. directly tells you. So, like, again, there's kind of that narrator, mm-hmm. you know, God point of view, like, oh, here's like everything yeah. going on exactly. Yeah. So like, you clearly understand, like, his motivation for doing things yeah. or their motivation for feeling the way that they do. Yeah. So and that I think ends a lot or leads a lot to readability. Right. While I do prefer like a little bit more artistic license, it is very nice to read this. And I think a big question too is, do you feel like Ellie is grasping the story at all? Or is it a little bit more like just spacey for her? Like, do you see that you have any questions? I'm kind of curious about what her reaction is just in general. So, so far, she doesn't really have many questions. It is kind of spacey right now. Yeah. Um, because me reading to her like this is just started with this book so like there isn't like a habit of her like just like being calm and listening yeah. you know for you know two like one or two chapters so but you know she's asked questions like i'll ask her questions like so ellie do you think the witch is good or bad and she's like i don't know you know like right. that kind of stuff so like i don't know if she's really thinking about it or if she's just yeah. saying i don't know because she doesn't know yeah. you know but there there are times i'm like so ellie who do you think Aslan is if he roars and has a mane? And she was like, I don't know. But I was like, I think, you know, so I think she's kind of like getting it the yeah. more we read it. Yeah. It'll be interesting and to see. I'm excited to kind of see if she kind of gets more into it the far, the farther we go, either in the book, because there's not, not that much left, or just farther in the series. I wonder if she'll attach yeah. to anything. Yeah. So, so far it's pretty spicy. You'll definitely have to add some dramatization to it. As you get further in, some of the darker stuff happens. Yeah, the first scene with Edmund and the White Witch. The White Witch. Again, descriptions are great and on point. I love the description of the dwarf and his beard and his little red hat and the golden tassel hanging off the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, the extent like that it is so, in some ways, very just like classic fairy tale. Like the White Witch and like... How she's kind of scary. I like that. Like Edmund's a little bit scared of her. And then she like switches when she realizes who he is. She's kind of scary in the way that like Galadriel's scary. Yeah. You know? She, I think it's easy to look at the story and want more from the villain. But I kind of like how the witch is just evil. Like that's all she wants. Like she just. Well, you know, and it's like I know her motivation and like the way she is from, you know, oh, you can bring knowing, it up, yeah. like, you know, Magician's Magician's nephew. nephew and that yeah. sort of thing. <clears throat> but it'd be in, I'd, I'd really wish I could like forget that sometimes, mm. you know, reading this book again makes me wish I could just experience it for the first, for the first time, time again. And I have that like link or history there. Yeah. And so when you really yeah. you're like whoa even if well, it's not like that big of a revelation you're like oh okay that's you cool know, you a know small I mean? tangent to go on here is that's why i like the publication order as opposed to like the chronological order i like that magician's nephew is placed right before the end and it like it fills in all of the gaps and you're like 
oh, that's that's kind of cool. Like you get to see the start right before everything like ends. And so I really like that. And that's why I don't I didn't start us with Magician's Nephew, because I think Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe is a better starting book. And for my, sure, in my opinion, you're dumb if you think otherwise. But in my opinion, um, argue in the comments, argue, argue, fight each other, vote now. So. Going forward, it sounds like you had a pretty. Can I say? Oh, go ahead. Go um, ahead. They don't refer to the queen's sleigh as a sleigh. They call it. He calls it the sledge. And I kind of I, I picked up what that was through context. Yeah. But then I, I looked it up before I came here and I was like, oh, it's like actually just like a transport to like move people, passengers and that sort of thing, usually drawn by like rain like okay so it's like so it's yeah it's not like a sleigh it's actually just like there's another word that peter uses stratagem (laughs) and i was like the stratagem isn't that just strategy but i look up and stratagem is like yeah you can you can kind of use it interchangeably but stratagem refers to it being more you know covert a bit more Mm -hmm. Not insidious, but just, you know, more secretive, secretive yeah. rather than just like a plan to do something. It's like, I'm going to yeah. go in and try to subvert, you yeah. know, that sort of thing. So I was like, oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. You do get a lot of crossover with like English words and stuff like that, which is. It kind of messes me up in reading out loud sometimes. Yeah. And so I think that's actually more what you're running to more so than the fact that the words are so easy. They're just words that we don't normally use. So, I mean, that's, you know, that is a big one because there was one where i don't remember if it was peter edmund they say like make it pax and it's pax is capitalized and i was like yeah yeah i was like i know what you're talking about like what is that but it you know it's just a phrase you so but how do you turn a phrase turn a fr- <laughs> how do you turn a phrase are you telling me a shrimp fry in this phrase <laughs> oh i haven't thought about that in a long time <laughs> get little sorry little side note tangent we, we watched um Star Wars Episode Four, you know, because I like I was like, oh, you want to watch this? And she was like, yeah, sure. A New Hope. Did you see the video I sent you of her seeing Darth Vader for the first time? No. She's like watching it, and she, you hear her go, oh. and she like turns to me after Darth Vader walks the screen, goes, he's scary, oh, like man. that. Yeah. She was kind of getting into it, but I, I remember like I was watching that whole movie. Man, I do like it, but I can I think of Family Guy the whole time I'm watching it. <laughs> you know, like the little bits of the guys like standing here. You know, there's there should be a railing here. We could just fall off right here. I know. You know, or that that part where last thing, Obi-Wan Kenobi gets killed right yeah. there. And he's like, No! Just standing there, and all these trained clone stormtroopers are missing all these shots. He's just standing there and then he goes, first shot, nails some guy and he falls forward into the pit and you're like, how how sucky would it be? You're 30 years old. He's been your whole life training. Then some guy who's never shot a blaster before stands there and you're trying your best to hit him. He just goes, and you go, I always always think of when they're in the Millennium Falcon and he goes, don't get (laughs) penisy. It's so stupid. Anyways, back to our regu- regular schedule. Ooh, a penny. <laughs> Programming. Program. Program. Our regular schedule program. Program. <coughs> <laughs> and now back and to now chapters. Back to chapters. I did joke, make a joke with Jack that we should do the whole episode very serious. and No, no but that, that's boring. We're not going to do it. When that. I read through chapter three, I... So, 
in reading the book, Jack, and now I and this is what makes me wish I had picked a different book. Because I am so familiar with the movies, with all of the media, it's very hard for me not to like I do paint my own picture a little bit, but how much of when you're seeing the story, do you see it vividly in your head? Do you like paint that picture or do you start, do you kind of piece together things of what you know? Like to rock me through that experience. Do you picture anything at all? Yeah. So like I said at the top, when I'm reading through this, I do in my head at first, I picture the dramatization that we initially were exposed so you, like, to. Imagine listening to it. So I imagine listening it. to it. Um, the movies, I remember like watching those a few stand up moments, like the word, the witches, please, you know, that sort of thing. Mom. Or how in the movie the queen has blonde hair when she's described as black. That kind of stuff irks me. But back to the point. Um, that being said, I think uh, what's her name? It plays her is really good. In the movie. Oh, actress is great. I just don't know why she didn't have black hair. Um, anyways, as you're reading this book, as I was reading this book, not you, as I, mm-hmm. as I was reading this book, I could like really start to visualize it for like for myself, mm-hmm. and you know. The way the book is written, we've gone over this like many times already. That's fine. But the way the book is written was like very helpful in piecing that all together. And even though I had all this history with it, I could still, in a sense, make my own version of my head. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting. Just the whole description of Lucy, of all of them, of Edmund like walking through the wardrobe, mm-hmm. and it's slowly turning like into trees yeah. and snow and that sort of thing. That that like really sticks out, and it's interesting because it seems like it's a different length each time. The yes. way it's described, almost, yeah. yeah. And I really like that because mm-hmm. it kind of gives you this feeling that, like they kind of saw, it, it's not always there. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, it gives you an idea that it's always changing. Yeah, you know, the presence of this magic of this world is always changing at a different pace. Yeah, than their world is, which it is. Mm-hmm. And I've always wondered the time that Lucy, because she's gone for several days after her first, like, you know, time I think it's in just a couple hours. She falls asleep. No, I'm t- I'm saying like she goes in, she comes out, and then she she doesn't go back in for days. Oh yeah, yeah, because they, they wait for the like the next rainy day. Yeah. yeah, and I'm wondering how much time passed in Narnia from that mm. point. Like how much Good question? T- like I don't. Good question. Yeah, a long time. Because then Edmund goes in. After Lucy, that one time, yes. the next time, and Mr. Tumnus still hasn't been found out. Right. So has it been a week? Has it been a month? Has like how long has it been? Because for, as far as Lucy goes, she was like, "Yeah, everything's in the clear. Mr. Tumnus is still good. It seems like everything's fine, you know." Mm-hmm. But yeah. Anyway, so like I was able to like very much put together how this looked in my own head without the influence of mm. my past media. Yeah. So. Yeah, I really like how Lucy really easily seems to get her way there. Edmund, when he's in the, the wardrobe, kind of fights his way in there. Like he mm-hmm. kind of realizes it. And then when all four of them are in there, that's definitely the longest transition. Where Peter's like, oh, I'm sitting on something cold and it's getting wetter and wetter. And then they're like, things are poking them as the branches kind of start to surround them. And it's almost like the further you go in, there is just that really seamless transition. I like how... When Lucy looks back, I think after first going there, she can look all the way back and like see the room through the trees, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Like I really like that visual. That's an awesome visual. And the lamppost in the snow, I can really, I mean, 
probably because of the media and stuff, but I can really picture like that feeling and the sound. Like the, the cold, way I the, the way cold I picture it, lamp posts, yeah, in the middle. And it's almost like an intersection. Like, you know, she walks in through one way right. and then like trees around, but then there's like branching pathways off from the lamppost. Right. Like people often like kind of come through and this is like a pivotal area yeah. that people are traversing through. And it's cool you know? knowing a little bit of history about like what the lamppost is. Like that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I do like that the queen has an idea of like where, you know, the world of man, the world of man is or the world of men is. And like, Oh, How I have to get you to read Magician's F here again. She seemingly like, I mean, I, I know, but she like seemingly knows yeah. that that's there. That entrance to the world yeah. is there because she's like, oh, yeah. Okay. I remember. Yeah. That. She's like, because she tells Edmund, she's like, go back through the trees over there. Yeah. <laughs> and so you're like, part of me is like, can she just come into our world? Like through that way, if it's open to her. That was something I was thinking about. I was like, that's... or is it just, is it a one We'll save not really one way. Save save that thought for just a little bit later. Okay, and I'll tell you why we'll save that really bit. But yeah, so you have the scene: Edmund and the Queen. They all get in there, and I like how I again I like how simple it is for them. They're just like Peter's, like yeah, we'll explore it. And I'm like yeah, I guess I mean why not? And they take the coats, and they're like they worried about stealing them, but then they're like oh yeah, but I guess we're not leaving yeah, the Susan's wardrobe. Like, we aren't actually leaving the wardrobe. Yeah, and Evan and Peter's like. Yeah, I guess you're right. right. I like how Peter says "by Jove" a lot. By Jove, Jove, you're right. It's it's pretty good. I like how Peter give them different voices, but Susan and Peter are pretty close. I like how uh, Peter immediately apologizes to Lucy when he gets in there and shakes her hand. That's that's so good. Shakes her hand. That's you know, it's a very formal real apology. Do want to point out that Susan does not apologize at all. Well, because she doesn't say anything. Susan, like she at the most. Issues with the professor, what the professor was saying. Yeah. You know, Peter was like, okay. And like that does come in later, some of the later books. Yeah, like, so Susan is, like, kind of the more logical one in the group. And so I think in her mind, she's like, this is all yeah, really weird. I'm not just, like, cool with it. So I'm not going to say sorry because I don't know what this world is right now. Right. Let's figure out what this is and then we'll kind of get to that. Yeah. But Peter's just like, oh, bye, Joe. Sweet. <laughs> Sweet. Nice. Sweet. But, and they all go, and very quickly, the Mr. Tumnus, they find his loss. They find the note by Margrim, the secret police. <laughs> Margrim is such a and good And they follow name. the Robin, Margrim. which is really good. And the it Robin looks like the Robin like almost wants to speak to them. I love that. I could, vis- I could yes. picture that so Because well. birds do kind of do that. Sometimes when you walk up to a bird, it gives you like that look that you're like, you know what's going on? The little side look. Yeah, do you know what's going on? And so I know exactly that feeling and like how it goes away. And then, of course, <laughs> the beaver, and they see it, and they're like, what is that? <laughs> He's like, come deeper in. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's like, he like motions to him. Yeah, I love it. It's so good. I love the description of the trees being so close to one another. Mm-hmm. No snow has fallen. The roots are all tangled into one another. And he's like, here, we can speak here. Yeah. Quietly, you know. I, Even some of the trees. Are, it's which, so... That's what a Tolkien line right there. Even some of the trees are on his side. That's such a Tolkien line. I mean, like, oh, my God. It's so, like, just, it's so cool how Mr. Tumnus, like, talks about the history of Narnia. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, like, the trees would come alive, you know, yeah. the nymphs and the dryads and yada, yada, yada. Naiads and, and you kind of get a lot of name drops there. You do. Um, God, they're slipping my mind. Um, Bacchus. 
comes mm-hmm. in on his donkey, that yeah. whole thing. Um, and there's like one or two other names, but it just it it just reminds me like Narnia, like while it is presented more young reader friendly, mm-hmm. there Narnia is such a deep world. No, like there's so much that is going on in Narnia, yeah. and that's what I think is really cool about it. Is presented in such like a, a digestible way. Yeah, and. Yeah, so I mean, anyways. I mean, it's exactly that's exactly what I was gonna get into. You know, when they finally get to the beavers dam and how just cute the beavers are. I mean, I I love what a homely little thing when they're all making stuff and they go mm-hmm. catch the fish. I could and, that so I yeah. was like, oh, that sounds so you know. Good. And he's like, nothing tastes better than fish that were caught just thirty minutes before and off, you know off the stove a minute before that. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. And the potatoes oh. and oh. there's enough butter for everybody. And you're like, oh man, great. The fresh tea and the tea. This beaver's like the, the sticky maple cake, and they all sit back and yeah fantastic but it makes me think of robber's cave honestly yeah but then you know mr beaver does go into like the prophecies and i like how there's like three prophecies which is i i don't know why i picked up on it so hard but he's like but then there's another prophecy (laughs) (laughs) but yeah to your point though there's all these stories about narnia and about the coming again and how i love i love and i can picture the feeling i can like imagine what it feels like when he goes aslan's on the move and they all have that different like Ooh. feeling and now they cut edmund's like oh shit he's, he's like oh, but that's such oh. a cool oh, that's no. a cool way to describe that like what a cool just um you start getting that hint and like the world starting to wake back up i don't think you've quite gotten that far yet no we're, chapter the beginning yeah, of chapter 10 is like you're the spell starts to break yeah, yeah which is so good i love the description of the queen's castle oh. if we can go to that part oh, and oh, i like yeah. how at first yeah. edmund's a little underwhelmed by it Yes. He was thinking of more like a castle, but it's just like a castle of spires. You yeah. know what I mean? Much of towers. Which is such spires. a cool description. Very cool visual. And, and like the especially because he's walking through all the snow and it's all he can't see anything and he's miserable and the moon comes out and everything's like super bright and white. It's such a cool, stark image. And mm-hmm. you see that castle. Like it's not even a castle, just towers and like it's sharp and And I love how he has to walk around the whole other side to like to get to the entrance. That's and a nice then, touch. I really like what a simple touch. Like you didn't why? Yeah, and then it's it's why so cool that the as soon as he goes on the corner, he sees that stone lion, which he doesn't know is stone lion. It's like <gasps> Yeah. And that, I was like he waited for this for like hours. You yes. know what I mean? I was like I've been in those situations, yeah. you know what I mean? Like oh, where it, like, it feels like forever while you're like and then Yeah. Okay, we're good. No, I this part um is the part that sticks out the most starkly to me. Um, I really see this part, like when he's walking and all the quiet, really lifelike statues. Like there's like they're real enough that he thought it was real for a time until he kind of saw the snow. And they're real enough to where even when he goes up and steps over the wolf, he thinks it's a statue. And I love how all of a sudden the wolf gets up. Wolf's like stranger. But yeah, you get a lot of like different creatures. Um, a, a lot giant. of like a centaur, a giant. I mean, there's a bunch a dragon. of Pegasus what, what is there. What things is a dragon? There's like a winged horse there. And a bunch of cool stuff that I, it is cool. And then of course, sadly, Mr. Tumnus. And of course he draws. I like, well, he doesn't know it's Mr. Tumnus, right? I th- does he guess? I think he guesses it's Mr. Tumnus. Let me find the exact line. Yeah. I, I can't remember if he mentioned. He says something about like the sadness and the um, face. I, I do want to say I really like the the details added to Edmund's thought process. He's thinking the witch can't be nearly as bad 
as they're all saying, you know, there's no way that she's actually going to harm my brothers and sisters. All I'm thinking about is trying to be the prince and then the king and all the ter- like. You know, he's right. just like there. There's no way it's not that bad. It's going to be good, but not as good for them. Not necessarily bad. Yeah, and I think that kind of deception is like really powerful and kind of shows. Yeah the queen's influence well, and especially how he's like walking way. towards the castle and all the bad stuff that's happening like you said he's like man edmund i can't believe like i can't believe he made me do this like you're like dude <laughs> like yeah so there's a line it says he found himself in a long gloomy hall with many pillars full as the courtyard had been of statues one of the nearest the door was a little fawn with a very sad expression on his face and edmund couldn't help wondering if this might be lucy's friend so there is that mention of that. I do really like how he draws the mustache on the the lion. Mm-hmm. But it's like the beast still looks so terrible and sad and noble staring up at the moonlight that Edmund didn't really get fun out of jeering out of it. And I love that line. How like the thing is noble enough and like magnificent enough that he's kind of like, God dang it. <laughs> yeah, he's like, what, what are you going to do? What yeah. are you going to do? I like how he just has a little piece of pencil on him. I mean like. Oh yeah, he's like a schoolboy. Yeah. Well, does this take place during World War One or two? Two, two. the air raids. So, yeah. so that's what it very, they very briefly mentioned yeah, the other sent yeah, away from the home air. because the cities were being bombed. Which is, I like, you know, in some ways, like a, speaking of like the new movie, you know, I like how the movie kind of adds that gravity of the war. But then again, I do like how the book kind of like skirts over that. It's like no, they're sent away. It's like that's like, like that's not what the book is about. Yeah, it doesn't you know want to I call mean? too much attention to the fact because this is supposed to be an escape from our world. Yeah, like it's not supposed to be this you know in depth look at the uh, you know cruelty of man. In some ways, it is. I think later on, but I, that's where we're going to move on to a little bit later here. Mm-hmm. And so you know he meets Mogram, Mogram welcomes him, and then of course Mogram. the queen. And I think for you, that's where Edmund's part ends, because in the next part, unless I'm skipping a chapter here, this is why I probably should have taken notes. This, this is this, this is why I, I need to have like those little highlight things. That's why I really I'm gonna get that for next time for sure. Yeah, because you just finished in the witch's house, so yeah, this the spell begins. Is the spell begins to break is the next one yeah. for you. And now we must go back to Mister Mrs. Beaver. Yeah, yeah, and so. That's kind of right where Jack ends up. And I think, right, a really good stopping point for the book. I really like when the spell begins to break and stuff starts to wake back up. It's Mm -hmm. a really cool moment again. And, of course, you're just about to get up to the Father Christmas part, which is great in this book. Ellie's going to be asleep, but I think I'm going to read that part to her tomorrow night. Yeah. But, Jack, we kind of, we've been touching on it this whole time, but the big thing with Narnia as opposed to something like um, Lord of the Rings. Of course you make that comparison. But is no. the difference in like allegory and like things standing in for things. So if I could, and let me look up the exact definition to define it for you. A what of allegory? Allegory. Because like famously and everybody like, I mean, this is not like a writer fact, but like famously like Tolkien didn't like allegory. And so... Yeah, here's the so, definition. So just real quick, in that way, like Tolkien, in his books, he didn't want things in his book necessarily to like stand in for something Correct. in the real world. Yeah, so allegory, a noun, a story, poem, or picture that can be interpreted to reveal a hidden meaning, typically a moral or political one. 
uh, similar to parable, analogy, metaphor, symbol, emblem, you know, myth. So I feel like in some ways it's hard for me to separate this book from its kind of Christian allegory roots because it's pretty not explicit with them. And I don't think this book is like overly religious at all. In fact, like I don't think that, but it's hard for me to separate the story and make it mean something else because I know that, right? Mm-hmm. Because I know ultimately spoilers for Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, you know, Aslan gets killed, comes back and that very much the Jesus metaphor. And then, you know, the sons and daughters of Adam and Eve and a lot of just the messaging of the world waking back up and kind of the classic, you know, good versus evil. But more done through symbols in this, like a lion mm-hmm. and the snow and a witch and magic. So, Jack, when you're reading that book, do, do those things stick out to you? Like, does that is that part of the kind of conscious thought where you're like, I wonder what this means? Because you kind of started to question earlier, like the difference in time between them, like how long had passed, and then like wondering like what this could stand for. Is that something you're constantly wondering about? Or is it more within this discussion that you find yourself like thinking a little bit more deeply about, oh, what is this, what could this passage mean? Or what could this, this whole chapter with Edmund's temptation by magic and you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Does that, yeah. So while I'm, while I was reading through the book, um, the, the only parts that like I consciously was like, oh yeah, this is like God and Jesus at this point was, Aslan is a son from the emperor beyond the sea, you know, and just knowing what I know. Yeah. He gets killed, comes back, you know, and, um, and in a way it is very much just parts of it, like a retelling of parts of the Bible, like in a very direct way, but then it takes a lot of inspiration without trying to just retell stories in a way. If that makes sense. And I think go ahead. what you're trying to say is that so it's not necessarily religious is definitely for me, though, uh, a spiritual book. Right. Yes. Like the feelings are there and the well, messages. You get those feelings when yes. like, you know, Edmund felt bad, but everyone else felt good, you know, right. and just kind of you have people who like, oh, like God's going to smite me, you know, like you feel bad about that mm-hmm. or, you know, and then. Like, oh, I've been good. I haven't done anything bad. So that's great news for me. You know, he's going to come back. That's great. And so there's a lot of, even like with like the Turkish delight being like a food that in a weird way is almost kind of like the snake, like temptation, that sort of thing. Yeah, and the Adam and Eve stuff definitely helps your mind draw that parallel uh which is offering him food and drink and is, you know. And so, I don't know. Power. Like so far, I'm trying not to really think about yeah. Like it as being as like religious. A metaphor. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of it more so as. I don't even know what I'm trying to think of it as. Well, I don't have the words for it right now. And that's the thing. It's like, I don't think it's a religious book. Like I said, I think it's a spiritual book because it is so, so much of a fairy tale, right? Like fairy tales, especially like if you look at Grimm's fairy tales, often are like kind of tragic and have like these meanings to them. And so very much in that same branch, I think that's what C.S. Lewis is doing with The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, is that he's not trying to like be like, hey, read this book, and guess what? You'll get to know a pretty cool guy start coming to church. <laughs> hey, no. I think and they ended Narnia on Sunday. He's very... It was only open on Sundays. 
<laughs> and audio is only open on Sundays, they realized. <laughs> Between the hours of 7 a.m. and 10 a.m. <laughs> but what I think C.S. Lewis is very cleverly doing is um, bringing out a lot of those positive emotions of a savior and a power for good and like a true goodness that kind of is all-knowing, that is wise, that seems to fight for the good, not only in like doing good, but like challenging the good and well. And so I think C.S. Lewis is much more tapping into the feelings. Rather I was just about he, to say, rather feeling. Than, rather than he's really directly trying to tell you hey, believe in this or believe in that, right? So I think it's hard sometimes for, you know, me to recommend The Lion, Lutz, and the Wardrobe because people are like, oh, that's just that Christian book. But I think it's a really big disservice to do that to this book because it's 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 not really. Yes, it's there. Yeah, it 100% is. But also, there is something about the messaging and the way it makes you feel. And of course, what I'd be interested in is to have somebody who was not raised as a Christian to read this book. Because for me, it inspires like the the good side of those feelings, like the the valiant feeling. Like you're just about to get to it when Peter gets the sword and the shield yeah, and has exactly. the lion across it. And like the idea of having like a shield with like this like ramping lion on it. It's like a bright red. It's just like really cool and like very And of course the red color, you know, it builds into that as well. But yeah, it's uh I think it is a disservice to ignore this book if you're like, ah, man, I'm discounting it from this because you're really taking away, I think, the positivity of the message he's trying to send. Like, he's just trying to tell the story. Yeah. He's not trying to preach a story to you. He's right. trying to just tell you a right. story with, obviously, some influence that, because everyone does this, your influences from how they were raised, what they believe in, what they don't believe in, yada, yeah. yada. Like, everyone kind of draws on that when they're writing stories especially stories like this so and he's telling it in the way that's most like in the most broad sense you can yeah. tell it and but at the same time still be accessible and interesting yeah to read into yeah because to especially it's i think if you just look at those aspects i do think you ignore the aspects of like whimsy and actual fantasy in the story like i love the snowy forest and the lamppost and the fawn and all these creatures that are just I love that it's very refreshing that you get them and he's like, yeah, they just exist. No, no big deal. And you're like, okay. You're like, some yeah, there's talking beavers. And you're like, okay, cool. Some animals talk, some don't. Yeah, and it's just very, it yeah, it's very like he doesn't need to explain it. He doesn't need to go into the history. He gives you a little bit about Care Paravel, and I love the Care Paravel is such a cool name for our castle. I mean, Care Paravel by the sea, the four thrones. That's just that's some cool imagery right there. I was just thinking, I believe. I don't believe I don't. That's not how I want to start the sentence. I believe. I believe. It's gonna be interesting reading through these books, trying to pick up on more of those allegories or where they where he's like pulling from, and see if I can like identify. You know, and well, just thinking back on like like we'll get to this later. I'm not gonna go into detail, but I almost would say Prince Caspian has a lot of like talk about afterlife and acceptance mm-hmm. in it in like a very in a very i'm just saying like from what i remember a very interesting and awesome way yeah. you know and the way that things are described especially towards the end of that book we'll, we'll get to that later yeah. but are just it's fantastic yeah you know it's a very so like you said i don't think he's ever trying to preach 
No, or... it's very... You have to look at it from a point of view of a storyteller. And C.S. Lewis is, I mean, 100% a storyteller. This book is meant to be read out loud. And so he's telling you the story, but he's just telling you the story in a different way, right? Instead of, hey, I'm going to read out of the Bible, it's like, hey, I'm going to read you the story. Same messages, same everything in there, but like the story itself is also good and explores the ideas and I think fleshes them out in a very effective way. And especially as we get further, I mean, I think a lot of them become way more evident further on as we get to it. Yeah. But that is something to keep keep in mind. Now, granted, it can ruin books, not only Narnia, but any book when all you see is the message and all you see is like, oh my gosh, okay, I get, I'm reading the Lorax. Okay, we need to save nature. Like, Jesus Christ, the Lorax. Like, you know. No, you just get into the songs. See the movie? You know what I mean, though. I mean, like, there is times when it can be too much, but I do not think it's too much here, especially reading no, it again. not at all. Especially yeah. reading it again. So far. So far. I, I do think um, for the next books, I could definitely do it because we'll, I'll have a longer time. You know, it's going to be three weeks. Yeah. In between well, here. So and we'll probably like, do full books from here on out because three weeks is a long time yeah. for a Narnia book, especially. So three weeks is a long book. So, I mean, I kind of planned to go through all of these if you're interested, especially since we have those gaps. We can include, I mean, there's seven of them, the seven books. So it's a long time. Or really, once we finish Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe, we can move on to another one. I guess we'll see how what the audience thinks. Yeah, we'll see what if they, they think. want more Narnia books. Cool. Um, and like I said, I am gonna like grab. I think we have some some of those little like highlighter sticker things, and just like, oh, I like that passage, mm-hmm. and not like write down notes or whatever because yeah. I'm reading it loud, but just oh, I want to yeah. go back and remember that. Yeah, because you I know, think that I want to do that more, so I have more direct quotes I can read or do right. Whatever. And I think the easy that's the easy way to get into craft of writing is you go, oh, that part I really like that part. And then it's like, I'll ask you, hey, Jack, why do you like that part? Mm-hmm. Like, what about it? The way the words sound. For me. The way the words sound. What oh, stupid. Oh, no. For me, I'm a huge. The way certain words sound will buy me in immediately. Like, for some reason, there are certain words out there that I'm like, ah, great. It's great. You know, fantastic word. So. So. Jack. Uh, I was going to try to find. Oh, yeah. A line in Before, here. Go ahead. Keep talking. <laughs> Before we end here, I was going to ask if you had any final thoughts or quotes. And that'll about wrap, up, wrap us up, Jack. I'll give a couple of closing thoughts and remarks. And we'll tie out as Jack reads furiously, his eyes beating wildly as he looks. He searches for the part he's looking for. Okay. Oh, he can't find it, can he? No, here we go. You guys ready for like a two-paragraph read right here? Okay. A two-paragraph read. <clears throat> I say, began Evan pres- uh, presently, aren't we been to hearing a bit more to the left? Sorry, I've already screwed this up. Let's cut this out. We're keeping it in. Okay, we're keeping it in. I, look, let me just say, I don't have my glasses, and these words are real small, is all I'm just going to say. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> I say, began Edmund presently, aren't we be bearing a bit more to the left? That is, if we're aiming for the lamppost... He had forgotten for a moment that he must pretend never to have been here in the wood before. The moment the words were out of his mouth, he realized he had gotten himself. He had given himself away. Everyone stopped. Everyone stared at him. Peter whistled. Can you whistle, Charlie? 
So you really were here, he said. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry, the lighting is so bad. Not the lighting, I just can't read. The lighting is kind of dim. Okay. So you really were here, he said. That time Lou said she'd met you in here, and you made it out like she was telling lies. There was a dead silence. Well, of all the poisonous little beasts, said Peter. And he shrugged his shoulders and said no more. There seemed indeed no more to say. And presently the four resumed their journey. But Edmund was saying to himself, I'll pay you all for this, you pack of stuck-up self-satisfied prigs. And you're like, oh my gosh, this was like 10 years old. Yeah, Anyways, that's, that's a good one. There are just moments like that in this book. It, just, it feels very family dynamic-y. It is, you yeah. know, And that's what I like about it. Just growing up in a family of six. So, All right, are you ready for my passage? I'll get better at reading out loud. Oh, Don't no, it's worry. fine. Here's mine. <clears throat> Please mess up. Okay. <laughs> don't, don't mess up. Madness, you mean, said the professor quite coolly. Oh, you can make your minds easy about that. One has only to look at her and talk to her to see that she is not mad. But then, said Susan, and stopped. She had never dreamed that a grown-up would talk like the professor and didn't know what to think. Logic, said the professor half to himself. Why don't they teach logic at these schools? There are only three possibilities. Either your sister is telling lies, or she is mad, or she is telling the truth. You know she doesn't tell lies, and it is obvious that she is not mad. For the moment, then, unless any further evidence turns up, we must assume that she is telling the truth. It's good. It's good. I love the professor parts. It's really good. I, I can't... You guys don't know him. I mean, some of you do, but our brother Henry, I he's a professor. Oh, he, he just 100%. is. Well, everyone... And Jack, I'll, we'll have a little bit of a catch-up moment at the end here. Everyone. On the record? Oh, yeah. No, on the record. Oh. I have a little bit of a different idea here. But hey, everyone, thank you so much for listening to the Rack and Tour Collection Presents Chapters of Book Report Podcast, The Lion, The Witch, and the Wardrobe, Part 1. My name is Charlie Moan, your host. And I'm today joined by Jack. And hopefully next week joined by Jack. It actually won't be next week for the schedule. Next week, look forward to... Either a tangent episode or who knows what you might find next week on the Rack and Tour collection. The week after that will, of course, be another episode of Jack's re. Oh, I don't remember it. Double take. Double take. I, I keep wanting to say reloaded or relocked. And well, I, I know. Chambered as like an idea Maybe name. Maybe that's it. Double take. So after our tangent episode will be another episode of double take jack's podcast and then we'll be back to finish up lion the witch in the wardrobe maybe a little bit more depending on how good you guys are out there and if you don't mind you can go ahead and leave now for everyone out there follow us on spotify you know but if you'd like to stick around for just about just a little bit jack and i are gonna hang out for a second talk about our day and then we'll kind of chill out and i just wanted to leave this moment at the end see how that kind of hits the listeners right okay the listeners, they hung okay. out with us. They're here for the whole, the, the more structured thing. You know, the more serious back and forth. I feel like, man, Jack, for that episode, we had some really good back and forth. Like, really good, like, long strings. Of- yeah, and I there wasn't ever a moment where I felt like I was like, oh, no, what do I say? Yeah. But there are more so moments where I don't want to say something and sound like I don't know what I'm trying to say. Or, like, mm. that I'm trying to just sound like. Right. I'm like. Because, you know, like I did say one time, I was like, I don't know 
what to say or how to say it. I like, yeah. I will presently, I will always say if I'm like, I don't know what to say yeah. or I don't know how I felt about that or yeah. whatever. But there are times when I struggle to like actually express, find the words, you know. So, but I think that this is gonna be a healthy exercise. Yes. Yeah. So I like I like doing this a lot. I think it was yeah. I think it was fun. I really do fun. wish we did the whole book. But we only had a week. Yeah, you know. So I, I think in my mind I thought it was longer, but I started reading it and I was like, Yeah. Oh my I god. At, I was like, I was like, oh, we're almost done. And yeah. She's like, Are there more? So like, I think I'm yeah. into it. You guys so maybe the order again, by the way. Then. Oh, that's fine. So maybe what we do, maybe we surprise the listeners and say, Hey, we finished *Line of the Wardrobe* and also read *Prince Caspian*. So kind of do a, a little quick catch up on. Uh, Line the, line the Witch in the Wardrobe. Yeah, we'll finish it up. And Prince then, Caspian. Because yeah. they, 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 re- they lead into each other pretty well. Pretty well. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Did you see that thing I sent you on Discord? That Call of Duty skin? Oh, yeah. The huge, like, red. Yeah. I, what the I'm heck looking is at, that? I'm looking at... It's just, like... It's a cool skin. It looks freaking dope, cool skin. dude. I showed it to Ellie, and she said, she said it was cool, too. I love the, the, uh, the Instagram video of Ellie. The guts in the oh, rain. sitting outside in the rain. Oh, I mean, that was Ellie. so good. Um... Laura and I have been getting back into Salt and Sanctuary. Oh, dude, there's a new one. There's a second one. Salt and Sacrifice. Yeah. I've and been actually, I've been kind of like low-key, like really kind of wanting to check it out. Yeah, it came out just not too long, a month ago. So yeah, a month ago, like May, I was looking at yeah. May 10th, mm-hmm. I think. May 10th. Yeah. So I'm, I think we're going to try to get Salt and Sanctuary, beat it, and then probably get Salt and Sacrifice. So I remember that we got so good at it that we like sped run through that game. We, I, I never beat it, but we definitely like got through like Oh, was it me bosses. then? I know I played it through like serious the first time, and then the second time I just did like pure strength and was jump, like jumping everywhere. No, the and- first time we played through, and we got probably a little over halfway through together, and then we kind of stopped playing it together. And then you did your own run, strength build, and that's when you're like, I just dominated, just went straight. <laughs> I just, I just killed everything. I love that game. That was kind of great. I mean, we can obviously there's a bit more time, but how you feel about Call of Duty so far? Are you enjoying it? Feels pretty good. I don't, I don't think want, I've played. I would, you know, you don't have to give too no, much no. away, but no, no, that's fine. Uh, we'll go. I think for another, I don't know, five or so minutes here, however long we feel like it, really. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but I'm yeah. feeling, I'm feeling. Chicken sheep. Feeling pretty good. I, I keep coming to the same conclusion though, which is, I just need to be a better shot. And the only way to be a better shot is to just have enough playtime under my belt to where I really master the micro movements of the analog stick. You know, have you been playing hardcore? No, I I, I don't I, think I played. I think the really last couple times I played Warzone with you, and that's been it. Try. I would give you advice. I would give is try some hardcore because while yes, it's more punishing. Like if you can't hit your initial shots, all you need to hit is one or two. Yeah. And the guys usually die it's so it's kind of it helps you, you kind know, of get that I'll, I'll on target I'll training. i was about to go off on a aiming no, thing, it kind of gives we'll you it kind of gives you that on target training a bit yeah. better yeah. um rather than like i can't it's hard for me to hold on target right this gives you more of like the ability to like snap snap mm-hmm. like back and forth that kind of thing um i think hardcore is good at helping with that so i'll save my thoughts because yeah i could keep talking about this yeah we, we could talk about it off, but off the record, you know, Jack, so we can to, save it for the next. Before we, you know, let our listeners go here. Yeah. How was your week last week? We didn't do. Your, we didn't start the episode with our week. So honestly, so anybody who cares about us is still here. <coughs> you, know, you don't have to be. <coughs> um, last week was good. My I, 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 <laughs> 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 
Um, <laughs> last week was good. Uh, it was a four-day work week. Oh. Because I had Monday off. Oh, for Memorial Day. But I worked Saturday. So I had like a six-day week and then a four-day week. That's kind of gross. It's kind of gross. But yeah. luckily Saturday was like a half day, so it wasn't too bad. Yeah. But um, this past weekend, you know, Ellie had a birthday party at one of her friends' houses. Oh, and that was a lot. That was a lot of fun. She had a great time. Her friend just turned five as well. So you guys making friends with any of the other parents? Yeah, we're we're definitely the youngest. All okay. the rest of the parents are like older, 35, 38, kind of in that range. Which it's I kind of yeah. I'm not trying. I don't want to like dog anyone. I think I kind of like having like sparking these like relationships like with, with older. these older yeah this crowd more because they seem to kind of like have things together more yeah and so it'd be no, nice to, it's not i mean people who like, are, yeah the the father is like this guy who's like he's like a cfo yeah and i'm like can i like i legitimately like is there a way i can like learn from you yeah like 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 kind of like a mentor in a kind of way yeah you know that's kind of like i don't want obviously use that just for that well, no, just but, making you know, genuine just... friendships and connections exactly I mean, so i was actually talking about that with kate because we were talking about i was like you know it's weird because we are like right now we're pretty much stuck in our friend groups but i was like there's going to be a time like you know whenever we have a kid and then they go to school like there is going to be a time where we'll like have another round of like making new friends again because there'll yeah. be other parents and i was like that's going to be weird and so like a weird it's, it's kind of weird being like okay like i'm so young and like it feels kind of weird trying to fit in but at the same time it's like i don't feel bad about that i'm just a younger parent you well, know and if the and parents if their parents are going to judge you based on that then they probably don't yeah but like so choice. far like things have been going great and it's been a lot of fun and I kind of appreciate these friendships a lot because I haven't like made any new friends since high school pretty much. Right. And it's also nice having people who seem like, you know, they wanted to get their stuff together and got it together rather than people who just kind of stay the same. Right. You know, so that's been kind of nice and honestly a little bit motivating to see and like just kind of interact with those people more. So wow. like their, their mom was showing us this plant. Like, yeah, this plant was like $3,000. And if I'm going to grow it out a little bit more, I can sell each leaf of here, like a little like seed or whatever, for like $1,000 each. And we're like, what the hell? How do you, how do, you do that? How, how do we get in on this? Like, you get boring into money. That's what Well, no, like, I, I think they, her husband's been working for a long time. It's kind of, see if those make like, See if those make a lot. Yeah. They make a lot. So, anyways, I don't want to. Man, Jack's making like McMansion friends over here. Well, I want to. I want to get there. You know, like here. here See, I don't ever want a mansion. Well, no, I don't want a mansion. I, I. Here's what I want. I don't want myself or Laura to have to like work as much as mom and dad did, or yeah. do still to this day. You know, I. I want to kind of try to build not like generational wealth, but like. I want to try to build like a good generational wealth. I want to try to build a good foundation, you know, for like yeah. not only like for Ellie, but for us and then our future family members, you know. And so I'm, yeah, I'm trying to yeah. like yeah. Laura and I are both are trying to figure out, okay, how do we do this, you know? And so that's kind of where we're thinking about in our life right now. Yeah, is how do we go from where I we know. are, comfortable to being fine to being okay we're working on tens of years from now for like yeah, the future yeah. that's how that's what we want to be yeah and i want to be like oh millionaire you know you know it's like but you know i want to be like comfortable i don't want to have like you know the ability to be like, hey ellie yeah we can provide you going to college or whatever you want to do 
but like also instill values and that sort of right. thing, you know. So it's a delicate, delicate dance. We just have to world, hope the uh, world and the system doesn't collapse completely. You hear that? Um, it, that's honestly. If Ukraine launches anything that the U.S. is providing them with at Russia, Russia will then attack the West. You hear that? Yeah. And I, I was like, I think. Man, why honestly, am I even trying? I think. That's- yeah. Bullshit scared. What's happening. Russia gonna do? Yeah, seriously. What's that? I, ser- I mean, seriously, like, you can't, they can't even take Ukraine. So, I mean, like, I mean, but what if it's all a front? Dude, I've thought about that. I've thought you know about how weird that would how, be. How Russia has, like, a literally, like, this crappy military that they're like, hey, let's make everybody think we're weak just to provoke an attack and then we'll freaking nuke them. I've thought about that and I'm like, that's, I think it's too devious. I think that's too much of a long game. Well, here's, let's get a little political. Do you think China and Russia are in cahoots? I don't. If you get real fear mongering. Here's here's the way, here's why I don't think so. I haven't heard anything about it. I'm just spitballing. I haven't heard anything. I don't think so because I think China wants to wage an economic war, but they do not want to wage a military war. I can, I can. Because they already kind of have us dominated. And so I actually think that their relationship with Russia is actually strained right now because Russia looking bad makes China look bad. And they're kind of aware of that, but then they also support them as well. And so then they're both on that weird... I mean, you see the propaganda stuff. They're both on the weird propaganda. So it's really hard to kind of... But yeah, no, I think China wants to be a little bit more subversive. I, I don't think they want to direct... And I don't want to minim- minimalize anything, but like, it makes me think about Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. There is that moment where you're loading into a mission. I don't want to minimize no, anything. No, look, just like, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just if Russia were to like invade the US, um, there's that whole thing where it's like, uh, I have some like some bogeys coming in. Do you guys see this? And they're like, wasn't that mainly no. Modern Warfare 3? It's like, no, we don't see anything. That was Modern Warfare 2. Like, no, we don't see anything. Like, I the guys in the. Modern Warfare 3 was World War 3, though. And that was Russia attacking. No, that's, well, that's Modern Warfare 2. Where they invade the, the US? Yeah. Yeah, that's Modern Warfare 2. What happened in 3 then? In 3? Uh, shoot, I don't remember. I have to play through it again. Anyway. 3 is the one where you like run up like, at the White House and you wave like the flares. No, that's Modern Warfare 2. That's 2? That's 2. Golly, I really thought that was three. You gotta play through that campaign. That campaign is so good. Anyways, thought, but there's a whole part where they're like, we don't see anything on radars, wow. and they call ground control or whatever. Yeah. And they're like, how they get through? What's going on? What's going on? And then you load into the mission, and there's just like planes and like helicopters, like like parachuting all these guys in. And it's like... See, I remember that one. That's Modern Warfare 2 still. Yeah, I remember it's that. It's like, that whole thing... And Burger Palace. Would never happen, but like... Red Dawn style. That's like so freaky. Yeah, it's freaky. But I don't think, like you said, I don't think it's going to happen because, like, if it was a big front, what they're doing right now, they would have to have a lot, like, that we have no idea no, about. No idea. Like, no yeah. idea about. And nobody said anything. Like, oh. So, yeah. even if they had nukes, like, we have defenses for those. You know what I mean? Yeah, so it's, it's like, I, I don't know. You know, man, it's. Sorry, guys, if we're getting too. No, no. If we're getting too uh, current, we, ne- we never do this podcast. You know, it's just. It's hard because I think in some ways, you know, I don't think people are meant to be like subjected <laughs> to how awful the world is all the time, but we kind of are. And in a way, and I'm kind of mimicking what I heard on um, Mr. Colin Moriarty say on Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, or maybe it was Chris, where he was like, I just don't think our brains are ready for like the type of world we're in right now. And I was like, I very much agree with that because like, it's too much sometimes. 
And so that's why, Jack. That's why. We sit down, hopefully every Monday, and we talk about video games, talk about books, we talk about Heck, whatever else. Whatever the hell else. Heck, Sorry. whatever the hell else. So that's Guys, very, thank that's, you for joining. <laughs> that's a very, like, Charlie intro to, like, a... Oh, no, it's a very, like, 2005 intro to, like, a game. Heck, to hell with that. Let's just get on with this. Yeah. You listen to that narrator? No, no, no. This is what really happened. Let me tell you about the story. The Lion, the Witch. I have to show you a Game Grumps bit that Aaron does. It's so freaking fun. All right, everybody. Anyways, sorry. Thanks. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What was that? <laughs> just, just being weird. You know what it reminds me of? You, have you watched Parks and Rec at all? Yeah, a little bit whenever you used to watch it. <laughs> like, there's that part where Andy starts sneezing and he's like, tum, tum, tum. <laughs> like, it looks so violent. And I'm like, every time I see it, and I'm like, oh my God. It's kind of the way I felt when he did that. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Everyone, thank you so much. If you made it this far for chilling with us during our little chill out session, our little catch up session. Anybody who made it this far, I love you. And have a good night. Just kidding. It's so creepy. We can't end it like that. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, guys. And we will see you next week. See you later. Goodbye. Bye.